he was just this one time he got out of prison couldn't get a job he's a good friend of mine and now and uh he you know couldn't get a job had like was like i'll just sell some crack just this once and there were a bunch of guys it was a break on the street like between workshops and they were talking about parole he's like what's up and then he's like come upstairs got a sandwich got obsessed we had a service model that worked uh there was employment but it was also a goal setting model that helped people find the next step in their life welcome to another episode of the mindfulness experience podcast we're thrilled to introduce our esteemed guest today for today's episode mr adam friedman adam holds the distinguished position of senior director of programs at the renowned david lynch foundation his role involves shaping and implementing programs that help individuals harness the power of meditation and mindfulness. He offers transform transformative experiences to those from all walks of life. So this is going to be very exciting. He has a wealth of knowledge and expertise, and we're going to dive into some of the enlightening discussions around mindfulness and using meditation and its benefits and how it can be integrated into daily life. So sit back, relax, and welcome Mr. Adam Friedman to our podcast. Hey, 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 Adam, Adam. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, Adam. How are you? How are you doing? Good. It's like to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. I'd like to just kind of jump into it because you've got a lot of uh, stuff to share about your journey. Can you share uh, your journey from being an advertising copywriter to working with social service providers at the David Lynch Foundation and really maybe perhaps some of the key you know moments that left led to your shift and what you're doing, what you're up to in terms of research and programs? Oh, okay. That's a big one. I'll start. Um, I, when I was a kid, I loved TV commercials. I always wanted to, I liked the idea of writing ads. I never thought I could because I didn't have any experience, but I was, you know, I was an insurance analyst and I said, what the heck, I'll give it a try. And I got lucky. I got a job and I wrote ads for a bunch of years and it got to the point I was like, I feel like I'm a net negative on society. Mm. And so, and I was like, life was flying by and I had traveled for a little bit. I wasn't really psyched to travel, but it slowed down life. And I said, what the heck? I quit my job. I went to South America for three months. And I said, I tried freelancing and advertising when I got back because I didn't know, I didn't want to do that full for a job, but I didn't know what I want to do. And experiences traveling and got me, you know, and for three months just showed me there was another dimension to life mm -hmm. and it got me I was like it was a dimension of me something mental you could get to a mm. higher state or something and that got me into meditation mm. um mm -hmm. and I freelance you know I so for about seven years I do some ad jobs when they showed up and I traveled to India or wherever for a few months when I got the you know when I felt like nice. it mm -hmm. and I decided I got into meditation that's a longer you know mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of troubles like I was a thought I was a terrible meditator, but I just believed in it so strongly. I kept at it for years. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I decided I came to the conclusion, like I'm not fulfilled in advertising. I don't want to do. And I thought the cliche, I remember seeing George Costanza say this on Seinfeld, like helping people. That's the answer. <laughs> and so I, I like uh, you know, it was kind of selfish. I was like, okay, I, I can help people to be fulfilled. But, and I ended up getting a job at the coalition for the homeless mm. and I worked in homelessness, domestic violence, uh, prisoner reentry. I was very into prison work, you know, mm. and I, so I worked for a lot of years in New York, New Jersey and volunteered in jails in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was really into meditation and I was working in a government social service job in North Jersey government and helping people didn't Mm -hmm. go well together. Mm -hmm. I remember I looked and I saw an ad for a job. It was the David Lynch Foundation. And it was, um, you know, it was they use meditations mm -hmm. for like homeless people who were homeless, domestic violence survivors, you know, veterans with PTSD. I remember I read the job. I told my son, he was 12 and he just mm -hmm. goes, that's you. That's you. <laughs> and I told that story at my interview and uh -huh. I never had thought of meditation as an intervention to heal trauma. That was such a, in social services, like a lot of times I, we would fail. Like, you know, it's hard work and usually you, you know, mm -hmm. often you don't change people's lives. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the reason is underlying trauma, especially in the prisoner reentry population, but you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, domestic violence, homelessness, yeah, it's there. Right. And looking at the research, getting in here, I was really psyched about it. I was like, meditation, I'd really come for a while. I was like, I want to bring meditation to the world. This is the mm -hmm. answer. Mm -hmm. And then I came to the conclusion, you know, I'm not going to change the world if I can't change myself and I'm not where I need to be. So forget about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and then I realized, okay, using this to heal trauma, it's not this global changing thing. It's on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. It is One related, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's like using meditation to mm -hmm. heal trauma, I think can be a fundamental addition in the social service sector and that's what we do at the david lynch foundation mm -hmm. we work with domestic violence service providers we work in you know one of the uh most violent plague mm -hmm. areas of washington dc we work with veterans and first responders with ptsd mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. partnering with like the f the fire department of new york's counseling services unit because i never thought about firefighters i thought of them as like heroes and mm -hmm. not the people who'd seen you know a lot of death and Mm. destruction and have you know 20 years of images in their head mm -hmm. and you know transcendental meditation i've been kind of amazed how not in everyone but a lot of people can profoundly mm. and quickly address ptsd symptoms mm. yeah. so that's what we do and i do a lot with the research we do a lot of research here so it's a lot of effort to measure that not that's my i was a you know studied math that's kind of my Part of my thing so that's kind of what i do in the shortish version of how i got here wow that's great and you know i love the the fact that you're involved with research and you've got i mean you've worked with a diverse group of people uh, such as homeless individuals formerly incarcerated men and women uh, domestic violence survivors and welfare beneficiaries. Uh, can you share some of the most profound experiences, perhaps, of some of the transformations you've witnessed and some of the research that you've done? I mean, one of the things that I'm certainly aware of is trauma. You know, we've got implicit and explicit trauma that happens within our society. I mean, even a kid that 
you know, mommy and daddy went to the bathroom or they didn't pick them up from school at the right time can be traumatized. But you're yeah. really talking about some heavy duty stuff here, certainly, you know, in terms of incarceration and people who were just not able to show up in some ways, not only for their own life, but have maladaptive behaviors and are really dealing with some really serious you know, as you say, some serious images and some serious imprints. Can you talk about that and maybe some of the transformations that you've seen? Uh, let's see. I'll give I'll give a little on. I'll start with meditation and mm -hmm. then go into, you know, I have stories throughout the years from prisoner mm -hmm. reentry. Like um, my favorite one actually was a guy who, got, who showed up on the way to a crack deal and stumbled upon our agency and uh on a crack deal oh my goodness he was, wow. just this one time he got out of uh -huh. prison couldn't get a job he's a good friend of mine and now and uh he you know couldn't get a job had like was like i'll just sell some crack just this once and walked by the prisoner reentry agency i was working at in east harlem and there were a bunch of guys it was a break on the street like between workshops and they were talking about parole he's like what's up and they He's like, come upstairs, got a sandwich, mm. got obsessed. We had a service model that worked. Uh, there was employment, but it was also a goal setting model that helped mm. people find the next step in their life. Mm. And he went from his daughter was he was, just, you know, not allowed to see her. It was mm. with um, his, you know, drug addicted ex-wife. And he ended up reconnecting with her her life changed she became olympic hopeful now as a nurse wow. um mm -hmm. and it was i could trace it back and he said like this changed my life and i wouldn't have been anywhere near there and he's just raised a lot of money for charity started a career got has like a whole family 10 kids were living with him he got married him and his wife mm. each had three kids they had a bunch of other kids he's like the best father ever wow. and that is, I mean, that was, you know, turn it around. Uh, and you have stories like that. Like I'd see, uh, you know, people in domestic violence, like when I worked in another agency in East Harlem that helped domestic mm -hmm. violence survivors, and you see usually women who'd come in and they just had no self-esteem left. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, you got to help me with everything. And then finally they're like, I can do this. I can pay. And they more like come for advice and do, mm -hmm. you know, and have the belief that I can make it in the world as mm -hmm. opposed to like this abuser controls me because I'm worthless and right. Right. without him, I'm nothing. And you see that, like, I see that though a lot more at David Lynch Foundation. Like we have a program, we've done hundreds, you know, trained hundreds of domestic violence survivors in TM through a partnership with the city of New York. And you see, we do evaluations and I see the one thing I see, like we see a reduction in anxiety and, mm -hmm. and anger and fatigue. But what we do when we measure these, we also ask like just an open-ended question. What's the biggest change you've seen because of transcendental meditation? And I have dozens and dozens and dozens of like, I can't believe I'm, you know, more confident. I have less trauma symptoms. I just you know, I'm more focused. I mean, it's just person. And I'm not saying every single person, mm. but one after the another, I read them. I'm, I talk to people at work. If you're ever depressed at work and you're like, oh, I got to deal with, let's face it, it's work. You got to deal mm -hmm. with BS. I'm like, just here's pages and pages. Just mm. skim through them for a few minutes and you'll realize 
how much we're changing people's lives. Mm. And wow. that's, I had, I'll say, I had someone here, she, mm -hmm. you know, ran our domestic violence survivor program. She was a teacher, TM, people loved her. And she was thinking of becoming a social worker. And mm -hmm. I worked with social workers in East Harlem. I loved them. I loved the place. It was called Steps to End Family Violence. Mm -hmm. And it was great. Like, what's, that, really, what's the name of it? Steps to End Family Violence. We worked with, you know, legal services and counseling. We worked at Rikers Island with incarcerated survivors, which a lot mm -hmm. of people have experienced mm -hmm. abuse there. It was great. It was just a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, I'm thinking of going to social work school, become a social worker. And I said to her, you would be an awesome social worker, mm -hmm. but you will do so much more for domestic violence survivors, teaching them transcendental meditation mm -hmm. from what I've seen. Mm. Now, I, you know, I want to get into like what transcendental meditation okay. is. But before we go there, I mean, one of the things you're talking about, I mean, this is very heavy. And one of the things that you bio mentioned is that well-intentioned social interventions fail to lead to positive outcomes. Can you elaborate on this? I mean, what are some of the uh, common shortcomings that you've observed in the interventions that are out there today? And how does TM, you know, Transcendental Meditation, offer another approach because that's really what we're talking about we're talking about the fellow you know who was you know the the system failed him in some respect he was out there and he was walking by one of the meetings and and all of a sudden his life has changed you really believe in it you found some development for your own self but it's really about you know the what is the system missing that really from the tm viewpoint you know, really allows them in some way to be empowered to really take, you know, charge of their life, take hold and agency of their lives. And we're, 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 where's the shortcomings? So, you know, what's happening? I just want to tweak one thing you said. Uh -huh. Sure. Uh, fails to produce outcomes, not always. Like there are, uh -huh. you know, I've seen Good. life changes in my career Good. in social services. That was one example, and there are others. Mm -hmm. It's just really hard, and a lot of people don't take to it you know and and i think it's i don't i don't say the system failed them but i say the short the a made a major shortcoming mm -hmm. is that someone comes in let's say you get out of prison you need a job no mm -hmm. question you know they agree i need a job you need a job then they come to a re-entry service you know they mm -hmm. give you you know resume help and employment assistance mm -hmm. and all you know and and that's those are great service you need but if you you know, experience child abuse, more abuse in prison, you're emotionally dysregulated, you, you know, prone to anger outbursts, um, you have, you have feelings of worthlessness because of all this trauma, like often you're just not going to succeed, you're going to give up, you're afraid of, you know, the rejection at a job, like you're rejected from two jobs, you've experienced rejection, it's triggering. This trauma makes it really hard for this to take in a lot of people. Not that it doesn't work for anyone, it's worth mm -hmm. doing. But, and the question is, what do you do with that? Like, mm -hmm. you know, there are, for PTSD specifically, there's some treatments, they're not cures, mm -hmm. they work on some people, but often they're counseling related. They don't really fit mm -hmm. to employ with most social service mm -hmm. agencies. Like if you had someone doing exposure therapy, which mm -hmm. is, not as effective, I think, on childhood trauma for one. And it's just, 
it wouldn't have worked with us when I, in the reentry agency, like going to counseling, mm -hmm. you know, but what you can do is we had a series of two week workshops. Mm -hmm. Could you have meditation as one of those workshops and mm -hmm. specifically like transcendental meditation? We're doing that in Washington, DC, mm -hmm. actually. There's an organization that takes, you know, kids in a high, they're not kids, they're young adults mm -hmm. in general and gives them employment services. And they have like a month, you know, I think it's like six weeks of training. Mm -hmm. We incorporate transcendental meditation. So every cohort gets that. Mm -hmm. That can help with your trauma symptoms. And if you're more emotionally regulated, less prone to anger outbursts, mm -hmm. you know, um, and all the other, you know, well, you know, your you pause before reacting, which is one of the benefits of TM. Mm -hmm. um, your sleep is often better, which has all sorts of positive benefits. Are you going to succeed in employment and have these services work better for you? Not everyone, but a lot more likely. And mm -hmm. that's the piece that I like what I learned from working at David Lynch Foundation and in my, you know, other social services, not including meditation, is I think that's a really could be a really effective combination. And a lot of organizations, we do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we work, we partner in general, we partner with VA hospitals in the pandemic. We started working with, uh, you know, burnout healthcare workers. We, you know, had taught mm -hmm. meditation in over 70 hospitals around the country and mm -hmm. you know, work with domestic violence service providers, you know, addiction treatment centers. And this, I think, is a it's a it, it really works in incorporating. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I hear everything you're saying and a lot of the listeners may be, you know, wondering, OK, well, what is this TM? Because we work with people who have trauma from a meditation viewpoint and, you know, many people from a trauma sensitive perspective can't sit can't sit in meditation you know i mean you ask them to sit for five minutes or eight minutes they can't sit in meditation you know they they just have a hard time sitting with themselves and many people who are traumatized you know really are very reactive to their environments reactive to noises reactive to things that are going on they're living life what i call living life from the outside in rather than from the inside out so I'm wondering, we as we take a look at it, you know, uh, all of this trauma plays a significant role. Can you talk about the effects of trauma, maybe perhaps the way you've seen it? And from the viewpoint of TM, what are the interventions like? Because, you know, they are different than um, many others. And, you know, certainly that's the way it's that's the way it's marketed, if you will. The advertising spin on it is this is different than other meditation types. Yeah. So can you talk to that for a few moments? Yeah, I don't want to. First, I wanted to preface it with them saying I'm not saying TM is better or more effective. Like there's mm -hmm. not the research to say mm -hmm. that head to head. But the technique is has a fundamental difference from most mind from mindfulness techniques. Mm -hmm. And I'd say mindfulness like in general is you know what you're trying to do is focus on something which non-judgment which keeps you in the present moment and mm -hmm. do it non-judgmental mm -hmm. basically right you know, generally generally speaking that's the breath the body the emotion yeah. you know maybe a mantra maybe you know some sort of a word that but it's generally speaking for a period of time right yes. it's not necessarily wherever you go wherever you walk Although it should be, can be but, but it can be, but it's not necessarily a part of the rigor in terms of the training because people come and sit down for 20 minutes or, you know, 10 minutes or whatever it is. But but go on, please. OK, so the key 
one of the key things there, I'm not saying it's the key to mindfulness, but the difference is you're trying to focus. And I remember when I first learned TM, I'd meditate for a lot of years before that. And I said to them, I was at the David Lynch Foundation, and they said, TM, there's no effort to focus. And I said to my boss, who was a TM teacher, I'm like, how could you focus without trying? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, which was annoying, but a good answer, learn the technique and you'll understand. And what it is, you have a mantra in TM, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's not so different. You know, let's say it was kablam, I'll make one of them. Mm -hmm. But the key is, you're not trying to think the mantra. Mm -hmm. The technique they teach you is it automatically pops into your head. Like if you just thought, oh, I forgot to call Joe this morning. Mm -hmm. That thought popped in your head. There was no effort. If you tried, if I said to you, pay attention to your breath, you might not try too hard, but there'd be some effort to bring your attention mm -hmm. to your breath. Mm -hmm. In TM, there's no effort. And so it's just, it sort of automatically pops into your head. So that's a key difference. It's effortless. And what a lot of people find and not everyone, but that's easier. I remember one of the first things I, I tried TM, I was like, I could tell you my story. I had done Vipassana for 18 years and I gave, tried TM. And one of my first thoughts I remember is, I hope this works because it's easier than Vipassana. I love Vipassana, don't get me wrong, it changed my life, it's great. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, there's an ease to it because you're not really trying to do anything. And it's one of the things that's good, they, they really focus on what happens in your meditation doesn't matter. And if you're a trauma survivor, often, especially childhood trauma, picture you think you have a, a feeling of worthlessness. Now someone says, try and focus on your breath and you'll get to this state. And a lot of people don't, I didn't succeed for a while. And then like that triggering, like I suck, I'm bad, I can't do this. If your message is there's no goal and it's just gonna create in your head and it does and like there's no good or bad, that can be freeing for trauma survivors and be like, you know, like, oh. And so we find, I mean, I can't say everyone, but it's a maze, people with PTSD, I sit and I would, I don't teach TM, but often it's like a four day course, you know, Monday through Thursday of an hour, hour and a half a day. Mm -hmm. And I sit in the, sometimes like I did with an addiction treatment friend, right? I'm at the fire department a few weeks ago, the last day of the course. And mm -hmm. we get very low dropout in the four days and everyone's sitting for the meditation pretty much like they don't. And these are high trauma populations with PTSD. TM tends to be pretty easy for trauma survivors I'd you know and it's and I think I think the difference is the effortlessness which is easier and the hey it doesn't matter what happens you know that's they can and people don't it takes a while to get that because they're like of course it matters what happens especially if you've done other meditation but that's those are the fundamental differences in TM from mindfulness mm -hmm. so now whether it works better for PTSD or that's those are separate questions but those are in the process, I think it's different, and I could see how that would mm -hmm. trauma survivors can sit easier mm -hmm. with that. Right. So we go back to the whole idea of regulation or or lack of you know regulation, hyper hyper arousal, hypo arousal. Yeah. You're dysregulated. Something's going on. And from the standpoint of open awareness, I mean, open awareness is a another technique, uh, but it's all inclusive of open awareness of what's going on right now. Where am I? Where, you know, the the walls, the ceiling, the floor, my body, my feelings, uh, you know, your uh, expressions, whatever it is. And what you're saying is that within that open awareness, you automatically move into the awareness of your mantra, 
and uh, whatever comes into your mind at that moment, I'm 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 still a little confused. Good, good question. I okay. mean, because if you're if you're aware, you know, are are we saying that the 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 mantra is sort of the 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 anchor because we use anchors various types of anchors it could be your fingers or your your mudra your the the sound of your breath the sound of chimes the sound of the, the whatever okay so I'm, I'm just trying to yeah no it's a it's kind of try trying to catch the wind here yeah an anchor i wouldn't i've never i think of it i'm not a tm teacher but i think of it different as an anchor it's just more of a process like they'd they would say, you know, generally, you know, when you're the mantra is repeating in your head, you don't always stay there. It doesn't matter if you stay there. And there's a real emphasis on and they, you know, if your mantra is repeating in your head, fine. If it stops and you wander off, fine. But there's not a goal of staying on it. Mm-hmm. And there's not it doesn't matter whether you do. And if you get and feel that way, it almost feels like I like a quote from one person I read in a book on mm-hmm. TM was like, you can't do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not you can get the feeling like open awareness. Great. And you can have a whatever comes into mind is fine. But there could be it could be taught in a way where your goal is awareness. And then you have a goal and you could fail. Any go- If you have a goal, you can fail at it. Um, if you don't have a goal, well, there's nothing to fail at. Mm-hmm. And so TM, they teach it in a way it doesn't matter what happens. Whatever's happening has a purpose. Whether or not that's right or wrong, you can debate. But that's sort of you have that attitude towards meditation. It's taught mm-hmm. that way. Then there's not a goal to be aware of anything. Mm-hmm. You just do this process. It's almost if, um, you know, and if you're whatever you're experiencing, it doesn't matter. Now, you could say, well, how could that make sense? You're supposed to be in a certain state. Well, they would say in TM, that's not the case. And they have a argument. They kind of say, your mind's off, you're releasing stress. If you're, your mind's on, you're doing this and whatever's happening is sort of supposed right. to happen. Right. And if you buy into that, which there's some, you know, there's some sense to it, but you might not. But if you buy into that, then you're like, OK, I can't screw up. It's almost like when you hook. I think of it like, let's say you go for dialysis, you have a kidney mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. Go to the dialysis. You have to get there. You have to get through the traffic. But once you plug in, the, the doctor plugs into dialysis, your job's done. Mm-hmm. You can't do it wrong. It might work. It might not. You know, you might still have kidney problems, but you've done your job. Mm-hmm. And sort of the message in TM is once you start doing it for the 20 minutes, you did your job. Don't worry about what happens. Right. And if now you feel is, that way, it can be freeing, especially for someone with a low self-worth. Now, isn't, I mean, isn't the mantra that you get like your own secret little mantra? You're not supposed to tell anybody about you're your not, mantra? They, yeah, you're not. They right. say don't tell anyone. And the reasons they give, there's some good, there's, I'll say people, some people are fine with that. Some people hate it. But I think the good reason for that, mm-hmm. I think, is I've looked like I've gone on a lot. Like the key, a key to TM is effortless. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like if you didn't have the effortlessness, it's not TM. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times I've been like, let's see online like explanations of TM. That's mm-hmm. not how you're supposed to learn. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it. I looked in three places, like explaining, here's how you do TM. Mm-hmm. And none of them mentioned the effortlessness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you give someone a mantra, and maybe it works, I mean, there are types of mantra meditations that don't have effortless, but they're clearly not TM. And so one of the reasons is some people will be like, oh, you just say this. And if you tried to teach a friend TM, you'd probably do a bad job of it. And I say, I think one of the reasons they tell people not to tell anyone your mantra is 
they don't want people trying to teach TM and then people go, oh, I learned TM, it didn't work, it's no good, and they mm -hmm. didn't mm -hmm. really learn TM. Mm -hmm. um, TM is also, so that's one of the reasons you don't get your own, like people's are different, but there's like a, I don't know if there's how many there are, but I don't teach TM, but there's a limited number, but they're big on that. Uh, I can't talk to people's motivation, but I think that's a reasonable motivation to be like, they don't want people teaching to you, mm -hmm. you know, and who don't teach it right. And I, I how awful it's explained online. I right. was just sort of shocked. So I'm like, right. you know, I, there's an argument that even if you explain it, well, it's an experiential one-on-one -on -one thing, but if you explain it that awfully, right. <laughs> it's like explaining, you know, uh, Zen meditation without telling people they have to, you know, I mean, there's walking meditation. I, I, it's a, right. I don't have a good. It's a, well, it's That's... a whole pro. You, I mean, it's an experiential process. And for those people that don't really, our listeners who don't really understand what a mantra is, can you? I mean, it's basically a recitation of a certain number of words that are personally or are empowering to you that as an individual. That's the way I would explain it. How how would you explain a mantra? Well, it's. Uh, I'd say in. TM, a mantra is they'd say a sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be some mantras are words and some are sounds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then they'd say it's a sound. Mm -hmm. And the idea they say, and it, mm -hmm. you, they wouldn't say you repeat it. They would say you think it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a thought. So it's mm -hmm. like, let's say your mantra was kablum, making one up. Mm -hmm. You know, then you, the thought kablum mm -hmm. would pop in your head. What does that do? They would say using a mantra effortlessly in the correct way helps you it's sort of like a key almost the mantra the effortlessness is how you use it mm -hmm. and there's certain you know details and specifics in that and the mantra is almost the key that unlocks so you can sink deeper into your mind mm -hmm. to a deep where there's a deeper mm -hmm. level of calm that's what they say and when you sink in there you can on you know we all have chunk in our mind and it helps release it i would mm -hmm. say that's not that's how I, I'm not just for the record, I'm not a TM teacher and TM is very systematic and they have ways they describe things, but that's kind of how I would describe in TM what a mantra is. So can you talk to a little bit about where this comes from? Because, you know, there are, um, uh, from the standpoint of those people that might be hearing about TM, it's not the first time. I mean, the Beatles went to India back in yeah. the 60s, right? They learned TM. Then you have a sort of an outgrowth of that. You have the art of living with Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who teaches Siddharshan Kriya. And that's sort of another branch or another tree or another limb on the TM you know uh, wheel but but can you give some perspective around that if you if you're able to that is yeah i mean i can give some like in the 50 you know the beatles learned in india right. there's a guy you know maharishi mm -hmm. maheshi yogi he mm -hmm. taught it in india he had learned it there from a line of people mm -hmm. um and he came to the west and the, i think the united states and he taught you know he popularized it he taught a lot of people i think beatles learned you know some famous people learned which gave it a lot of press mm -hmm. and he you know trained a lot of tm teachers mm -hmm. and then that sort of through the years they had they had tm centers where you could go and learn tm around country and around the world in different mm -hmm. cities you know and eventually the there was you know they he they focused on research a mm -hmm. decent amount for meditation. Right. I think he was supposedly a physicist or something also, and a monk. Like uh, so, he was into research, I guess, and that trickled, 
you know, down. And that was, uh, there's been some, you know, variety of really good to, you know, like preliminary, you know, not so good research. There've been hundreds of studies on it. And then eventually the David Lynch Foundation was formed and it's sort of like, let's do that. You could pay for TM and David Lynch, what I love, I'm in the free TM business. So David Lynch Foundation raises money from both government and private donors. Mm -hmm. And it's really helps with trauma. So we work with high stress and high trauma populations. And that's sort of a, related to TM centers. Like I've had, I had a program where we had veterans would come to us around the country and want to learn TM because they had, you know, trauma issues and we would connect them with TM centers and pay for it. And like, you know, we used to do that. Now we're doing a big TM study with veterans. We're not doing that anymore. And we would measure the reduction in trauma, depression, and proof sleep, which all really, I mean, I remember starting at David Lynch Foundation and getting the data in, and it was like Chris for me, it was like Christmas and like working with stretch, you say, look at the drop in trauma at one month, like 51% reduction. And so uh that's well, sort of been the hit the ancient I don't know how far back it goes, like you know, right. I know the you know, but it supposedly goes back, they say it goes back, you know, mm-hmm. well, thousands and thousands of years yeah, back, I don't, back into the I don't know Vedic, if it's into the Vedic systems in terms of understanding, you know, but 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 more importantly, I think what you've mentioned here, and I want to lift that up a little bit, is the secular perspective and the scientific perspective. I think probably my understanding is that, uh, you know, whether or not it's David Lynch or uh, TM in general has been researched and studied and there are scientific papers on it. They're really, um, you know, peer reviewed studies that really show the impact and the uh, efficacy of transcendental meditation in terms of working with populations that have stress and trauma. So can you lift that up a little bit in terms of maybe perhaps, I don't know if you've got some of the numbers or whether or not. Yeah, um, we ha- I can tell you a little. Some of that, because you're involved with some of that research. Right? Oh yeah, I'm doing a research. I have a meeting at 11 on, a, okay, you know, on our Columbia study. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I work most with trauma research and that's some of the strongest research on TM. Uh, there's a, okay. Um, there's some big, like the, I'll say the biggest study was done at the San Diego VA. The Department of Defense um, gave $2.3 million to see how TM works compared to what they normally use for PTSD. And the gold standard treatment in the VA is called prolonged exposure. And basically, if you had a IED go off in Iraq and you have PTSD, what they do at the VA is one of their their top treatment is they have you relive that to sort of desensitize you. It's like facing your fears. Like you get homework, watch a video of a bomb going off, which is very triggering, but you watch enough bombs go off, supposedly your trauma symptoms reduce. Um, That helps some people. A lot of people drop out, not surprisingly. And they're like, well, TM, you don't talk about your trauma or deal with your trauma at all. Let's compare TM to prolonged exposure and see if TM works as well for veterans with PTSD. And they had a study of 203 veterans with PTSD. And it turned out TM was, the scientific term is non-inferior, but means worked as well as prolonged exposure. And actually in the study, TM was more effective than prolonged exposure, but it wasn't statistically significantly better. Mm -hmm. So they just say it was non-inferior. And it was, they also had a third group of like PTSD education and TM was a lot better than that. So that was the big study. They also, Northwell at the 
Um, you know, they have a behavioral health clinic for veterans and they did a study on TM versus their normal treatment for veterans with PTSD. And TM was a lot better. And there's a scientific term for a lot better. I'm just, I don't know if you have scientists here. It's called high effect size, not only in PTSD, but in anxiety, depression mm -hmm. and sleep. And TM was a lot better in the San Diego study and depression also. So those are the two big PTSD studies. Wow. Um, there's a bunch of others that are, that are, some are impressive, but they're just not as impressive for different reasons. They did a couple studies on prisoners, on a couple hundred people in prisons on trauma symptoms, but they didn't diagnose them with PTSD. And they were, you know, it was a randomized control trial. They looked at mm -hmm. half the people and that was an improvement in trauma symptoms mm -hmm. um and there have been others um we do a lot of work with uh in the pandemic with we started with healthcare workers there's you know huge stress and uh we've kind of seen in several studies there's one at duke it was a randomized control trial that looked at um tm or you know and randomly they selected healthcare workers either you get tm or you don't mm -hmm. and there was a reduction in anxiety and burnout one of the key elements of burnout is emotional exhaustion and there was a reduction so compared to controls burnout and emotional exhaustion and there, there have been a couple other studies one at three hospitals in florida mm -hmm. that was called wasn't randomly selected but they compared healthcare workers mm -hmm. you know who got tm and healthcare workers who didn't and they had similar results the randomized controls trial well wow. there have been um there have been a bunch of other like there's we you know in They've done a lot of my like the NIH spent something like $23 million on studies on heart disease and high blood pressure. And it's here's TM, you know, lowers blood pressure, especially in older adults. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, and they've done a, those are the areas I'm most familiar with, PTSD right. most, but they've right. done a lot of other studies. I just what mm -hmm. you gotta be careful with research is when you hear this study showed X. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it may, it may not, you got to really dig in. And a lot of the other areas, there's a lot of things that people with brain waves that, you know, in TM, right. and I just don't like quoting those because I'm not an expert on mm -hmm. neuroscience where I can read a study and be like, okay, that seems fishy or whatever. So I don't like quote, I'm not saying TM is more fishy than other research. I'm just saying research can be preliminary. You'll be like, okay, this suggests something, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. like quoted it's a it, there's sort of a step in the evidence chain and on ptsd we've gotten we're now at the highest level we're doing a multi-site study mm -hmm. with you know six different sites with a bunch of you know columbia usc a bunch of others um it's a randomized control trial i mean we're in the midst of it you know on ptsd mm -hmm. and veterans and first responders so if you're at the bottom level of the evidence chain that's important to do but it's important not to quote the people and say we've shown it works on creativity you know maybe right. it does and I don't know enough about, there's been hundreds of, PT, of TM studies. I don't know about, about a lot of the areas, but the areas that we work with the David Lynch Foundation, I have a better idea. Well, that's wonderful. As a, as a vet, I'm very interested. Uh, as you well know, we talked about this. I'm uh, a healthcare ambassador with the Heroic Hearts Project as a vet. And what we do is we work with vets who have PTSD and trauma, uh, but we're specifically working with them uh, to help them reboot, reset, reframe uh, with psychedelics, the use of psychedelics, because we're helping them to stop the default mode network to reboot and relook at some traumas from a distance and then allow them to go ahead and assimilate those or to provide a different frame on them so that they can be more normalized. Now, the thing that I'm more interested in is how do we activate that normalization? How do we activate that 
reintegration, if you will, of whatever that trauma was. And that's where I believe, and that's what my book is about, The Mindfulness Experience. It's the name of the podcast, but it's all about using the VHA model, uh, which is really about understanding the internal infrastructure, the mind, the body, the spirit, the breath, in other words, what we put in our bodies, energy as well as sleep so those five key inner components and then how does that impact us in terms of our outer world in other words our relationships our environment or our aspirations so they all work in tandem as eight strategies but you know the research is there that really shows that mindfulness or breath work <clears throat> Or in your case, the research around TM, which is a component of one of the tools in the toolbox, if you will, around mindfulness, because there's been a lot of studies about that, um, that it really does help individuals to reboot, reset, reframe in the moment. So you're coming back to the moment, you're coming back to your own sense of empowerment, your own sense of empowerment, and then you're allowing yourself to be embodied in that experience. So within your work, I'm wondering if you can share, um, you know, what your view is in terms of incorporating transcendental meditation into the structure of the work that you've been doing. Are there challenges? Are there obstacles in terms of doing that? You know, what, uh, what, what do you, what do you see as the evolution of this work that the David Lynch foundation is doing and how do you believe that these studies can be, you know, more mainstreamed, if you will, kind of going forward. I know there's a lot to unpack there, but maybe, yeah, uh, maybe you can I mean, talk to that. I mean, one of the overall goals of the David Lynch foundation is to, you know, we're in the free TM business, but we raise money. Like, you know, our CEO is talking to like hedge fund guys or whoever raising money to do it. And that's limited. We're a nonprofit. One of the goals is to leverage this research to get uh, insurance reimbursement mm -hmm. for TM and mm -hmm. show this is a, you know, medical intervention that should be used for whether it's PTSD. I mean, there's all sorts of different, I mean, that's the bureaucracy of it. And we're working with certain firms to figure out what research do we need? What, mm -hmm. you know, regulations do we have to do to get there? So that's a way to expand it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm more in the programs. How can you use this? Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I always say you said, you know, use the term tool in the toolbox, which I think is mm -hmm. such a, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's perfect mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But I think of TM as more of the toolbox because mm -hmm. I think it can help other interventions. So for instance, like I want personally something that, and this is one thing the David Lynch Foundation is working on. It's not central to our work, but it's for me, I think it could be a game changer, is combine TM with other psychotherapies. For mm -hmm. instance, for trauma, they have, you know, um, there's prolonged exposure I talked about, but another one, EMDR. And mm -hmm. it's a, you have to think about your trauma, but one of the problems is, it can be hard for a lot of people to do that. They're triggered. They go, you know, what they say is to make these treatments work and to directly process traumas, you need a what's called a window of tolerance between mm -hmm. hyper arousal, where you're like, this is too much. I can't think about that bomb going off. Or you, you know, disassociation, where you're just, as a, as a defense mechanism, you shut down your emotions. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, right. you shut down, you can't process it. And what TM amazingly does, I've seen this, like when in the third, the fourth day of a course, people learn TM on Monday and now it's Thursday. And 
I'm hearing from them and over and over people say, you know, something happened. It would have normally triggered me and I wasn't triggered. And it's not like we give them a breathing technique or something to do in the moment. It's almost like if you started, if you couldn't lift the table in your office, you worked out for six months and then you tried to lift the table. You're just like, oh, wow, that got either the table get lighter. No, it's you've been working out. And this TM really helped. There's not research on this specifically, but I've just seen it with my own eyes enough that you don't or not everyone, but a lot, a lot of people just mm -hmm. find they're not responding to triggers in the same way. That I think puts them in that window of tolerance where something, where a psychotherapy that directly deals with your trauma. So I think they come at trauma from different directions, dealing with the memory directly and maybe providing a base of calm. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. TM before other treatments, and I think psychedelics is potentially as well, mm -hmm. but I, I have less theory behind why that would work with type psychedelics like this window of tolerance i just right i like both treatments and i see the effectiveness i love the idea of seeing how they work together but first line psychotherapies i think tm could enhance them and then if your first line treatment is enhanced you have a new first line treatment mm -hmm. right um, so TM and can I, work on yeah and i really like the window of tolerance this idea that you know in a flow state in a normal state you know we can sort of ride the wave if you will and you know when we're hyper aroused we have a high degree of the wave and we can get flooded and you know get uh, hyper uh, have a lot of anxiety and fight or flight and so on and so forth and when we're hypo aroused we can get sort of crashed by the wave and then all of a sudden all we want to do is retreat maybe have some bonbons and so on and so forth but um you know when we look at what you're talking about i always talk about it in terms of you know, recognition and response or re stimulus response, recognition and choice, right? right. I mean, because within the gap, within that gap between the stimulus and response, we do have a choice. So basically what the uh, process is doing, as I understand you talking about, and I talk about this in terms of other mindfulness techniques, but you're talking about it like, you know, this is not a technique this is something that sort of is embedded in your psyche yeah, and you know it's very different and you do get that you know stimulus response you're you're aware of your stimulus you're aware that you have more of the gap and you're able to go ahead and make a different choice uh, i wouldn't put it that way because no? choice is mm -hmm. here's how i put you if you had a choice mm -hmm. and you you know which is fine sometimes people are like oh I, in theory you have a choice but i don't i just you know, I just jump on people, mm. but it's not like that people are necessarily making a choice. Sometimes you just hear, yeah, I didn't have that reaction. Normally it pops up. And so it's almost like, yeah, embedded in a way where you don't have, you don't think about it. You don't, it's just almost like a, it's, it's the opposite of this. It's not really a skill, but it's just sort of like people are surprised. They're just like, I didn't, I normally would have yelled at them. And I, it's not like I had an intellectual, okay, I have a choice. Let me pause. It's just, you find yourself doing it unintentionally and it's good. You know, people are happy about that. They're just sort of surprised. So it's not a strategy that's, you know, that you do in the moment, like stop and think it just sort of happens. That's when people describe it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'd say I don't like, you know, you may you be you have a choice, maybe you don't, but it's not like people are making a choice. Mm -hmm. They're just Well, great. Uh, and, you know, I think what you've done is you've helped pique people's interest in 
TM certainly. And I'm I'm wondering from your viewpoint, just sort of finally, what advice would you give social service providers or anyone for that matter, working with trauma impacted individuals to help them affect lasting change? You know, would you say, yeah, go out, take a TM course? Would you say, you know, I mean, that could be certainly one of the options, but I'm just wondering, you know, where you see individuals, you know, dealing with the frustration of everyday life because you know there's a lot I, I i believe that we're 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 living at a time where we've got societal trauma whether or not it's implicit or explicit whether or not it's through our media through our tv or movies you know uh whether or not it's TikTok or you know instagram or facebook we're we're seeing more and more the window of tolerance being stretched so much so that it's almost not even normal to be within the window of tolerance a lot of times it's sort of you know we what what, what we see is you know a lot of death and destruction from a lot of the news it's a 24-hour news cycle and then within the uh impact of homelessness and helplessness and you know so on and so forth we see a lot of that just happening within society maybe it's just the news you know some people would say our society overall the world overall is much better than it ever was you know and, that and, and, and that's the other counter argument and i i can go there but you know what are your thoughts about this in terms of giving anyone uh some of the tools or you know maybe people that aren't able to go to the david lynch foundation or want to go there you know what 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 would be your suggestion sort of as we look at a takeaway from our time together well suggest are you talking about suggestions about for a social service provider what they do with people with trauma or individuals with trauma well Those both uh, it could be it could be both i think uh coming out of the social services side of things you certainly have a perspective about okay that. i do and, so let me start and, and, and maybe for the everyday man who's listening to this who's not a part of the social services um you know a uh, 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 community you know maybe what do they can do do you have any thoughts about that as we start to wrap this up yeah i'll say in the social service community obviously tm i'm a fan of and i think that's something to explore but it's it's if you're not you know the david lynch if you're not working with the david lynch foundation you have to pay for it and that's mm -hmm. a can be an issue you know like you don't have they don't have funding for that what i would say is there's a lot there's a big movement on uh organizations become trauma informed and what the focus of that is if you had trauma usually it's often it's an issue of power and control like people have I mean, just that I was bullied as a kid, you know, like that's not a heavy trauma compared to child abuse, but sexual abuse, domestic violence, there's a dynamic of power and control that an abuser is putting on someone and you feel helpless. And that power and control dynamic in trauma survivors can be very triggering. Hmm. So if you're working with people, you want to give them as much choice as possible as opposed mm -hmm. to telling them everything they need to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you come into a social service agency and you're like, here's our process, do this, do this, do this. You might realize, okay, they have to do this, do this and do this, but how can I do it in a way where I'm not telling them everything to do, I'm giving them choices mm -hmm. and that can be less triggering. And then you get less all sorts of problems. They won't as much want to leave. So there's ways you, an agency can become trauma informed with training, mm -hmm. but that lens that 
give people as much choice in their services within your service model. Mm. And, you know, um, so thinking about it that way and you won't trigger people and you won't necessarily know why mm. your people are like blowing up at you. You know, you're just like that guy's a nut, nut. Well, you know, if you really dug in, oh, maybe you could avoid that by certain things. Sometimes you can't like, you know, and you're going to get, you know, you're dealing with a high trauma population. You'll have some issues and that's part of it we used to say and you know at exodus transitional community at prison reentry this is the population we work with like our ceo was done 12 years in prison and sometimes things that go wrong and you know people that have things and we give them so we were second third fifth chances you know mm-hmm. but uh so that's what i'd say from an individual standpoint i mean i think tm's great for trump i will say a oh, last thing i'll say if you have ptsd and you go to a tm center mm-hmm. you want to learn it be expensive like to learn tm they have a sliding scale but it's still money but they have a deal if you're a trauma survivor talk yeah. to the person there and say do you have a satisfaction guarantee which they do there's some very specific things you have to do like you can't just say okay tm didn't work for me you know i want a refund mm-hmm. but if you talk beforehand and you're a trauma survivor mm-hmm. you can say what do i have to do like you come to a certain number of meetings and this and if it doesn't work for you you can get a refund and that's part of the thing they don't really you know advertise that a lot although if you sign up so that's something for a trauma if you're if, if you know okay if this works for me i'd pay it if it doesn't work for me i'm okay for people who experience right. trauma and then of course that's the other question whether or not you recognize the fact that you have trauma and uh you well, know yeah. you 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 know the as they say the the first uh, step is recognizing that you've yes. got a problem, you know, admitting you're, 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 you've got your own problem, you know, and I, and I think that's uh, I think that's a really big first step that a lot of people have to take in order to take responsibility for their own lives. You know? Yeah. I, one last thing I should say, TM is great for PTSD. It's mm-hmm. not like a cure-all. It's not like this is going to fix everything. When it works, it helps. Sometimes it helps profoundly and quickly, mm-hmm. but I'm not trying to say that this is it and we found a cure for PTSD right. and it's TM. I just right. want to be clear because I love it. I think, you know, when you have something that that helps, I mean, I'm psyched about that. Like mm-hmm. I'm searching it's hard. Beautiful. You know, so Beautiful. I don't want to say it's everything. Well, you're a beautiful guy and you're very authentic and I really appreciate that. Let me ask you, you talked about people searching out on the web. Any uh, good uh, recommendations for people as we close out our time here in terms of finding out more information, where they should go, any websites, any information that you might have? I mean, if you want to find a TM center, you go to tm.org near you if you want to learn. If you want to read about TM and find like, what is this, is this about me? Our boss, um, Bob Roth wrote a book called Strength and Stillness. It doesn't teach you how to do TM, but it tells his story of 50 years of teaching and it gives an idea of like- what what's, the, what's the book again? Say it's it again. It's called Strength and Stillness. Strength and Stillness by, by Bob, Bob Rowland. It doesn't teach you how to do TM, but if you want to like, okay, the sound, do I want to learn that? What should I read? And if you want a TM center to learn near you, go to tm.org and they'll, you know, you give put in your zip code and they'll be like, here's your TM center. And what you can do, you can, they always have a free introductory talk. So you can go and hear them and be like, do right. I like this guy? Do I want to learn it? I don't have to pay anything. Sometimes you can do it online. So as a first step, if you're not sure, those are the two things. Mm-hmm. Free introductory talk or strength and stillness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beautiful. There you go. Beautiful. Well, again, Adam, thank you so much for being here on the My Oh, my pleasure. Really appreciate it, and I look forward to uh, learning more and uh, you know being a part of uh, the uh, experience. 
Great. Okay. Thanks, Keith. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.